<laughs> if you've got a Bible, turn to Daniel chapter 8. So here and in, we're kind of going to mix a bit of teaching, a bit of prayer, some videos, and a kind of head our way through the morning together. The creche is open. There are toys in the creche, I hear now. Can you believe that? So you, you can hear the message. Uh, kids can play on toys. There's a heater in there. Hallelujah. The important things in life. In, uh, well, <laughs> how do I prefix this? We, we're in uh, huge global upheaval, aren't we? There's all sorts going on. And you might be in personal upheaval too. Um, the same message will apply whether you're praying for the Middle East or you're praying for your middle child. The wisdom's the same, amen? It, Daniel, I've been reading Daniel um, uh, the last couple of weeks. Uh, really interesting, fascinating, wild book. And um, in the first chapters of Daniel, uh, he is interpreting dreams accurately and sharing with people what the dreams mean, usually with kings and things like that, and knowing great promotion because of that. The second half of the book of Daniel is really quite different. He begins to have dreams and visions that he doesn't understand. Um, anybody's life ever go from uh, a Christian faith and a Christian walk that made sense into a period when suddenly it doesn't seem to make sense like it did? It doesn't mean God's not in it. You've got to write the mystery part of your life as well as the bit that's easy to understand. Come on, somebody. I got this. I understood it. I prayed. It worked. I understood what God was doing. I had a sense of my calling. My family made sense. My money made sense. But you might also go through a decade or two when it seems like, I don't know what's going on. And here in Daniel 8, the first half of the chapter, he has this incredible vision which we won't even read it because it's just so wild. Well, you'll understand why we're not going to read it at, at the end in a minute. But let me, just give, <laughs> let me just give you the title. Daniel's vision of a ram and a goat. Yeah, useful, right? You know, uh, so he's having visions of farm animals. Exactly. Have you ever met a prophetic person? Yes, they are weird. But again, it doesn't mean it's not God. Uh, then, so he has this incredible vision and then... The second half from verse 15, the angel Gabriel himself, yes, the same one that turned up to speak to Mary about Jesus being born, Gabriel turns up and explains the vision. And, well, here's the thing. When you get to the end of the chapter, verse 27, here's this, this is how the chapter ends. I, Daniel, was exhausted. Anybody's spiritual life ever exhaust them? Right. And lay ill for several days. I got up and went about the king's business. Listen to this last line. I was appalled by the vision. It was beyond understanding. Everybody say beyond understanding. Stuff go so listen, even when you get a vision from God, you might not understand what's going on. Let's go a step further. Even when the angel Gabriel himself turns up, I mean nobody can do a better Bible study than the angel Gabriel. You might be a man of Daniel's stature, Daniel's education. But let's be honest about life sometimes. Sometimes you sit there and go, that's appalling. I haven't got a clue what's going on. 
Did you ever find that the wisdom for your life is above your pay grade sometimes? Well, that's okay. That's why it's called a faith, not an understanding. It's called, I trust my heavenly Father. No, I don't know what's going on. Even when God speaks, even when Gabriel interprets, I still sit there going, not quite sure what's going on. So we look at the Middle East. You know, if you want to know my political views of the Middle East, it's this. I haven't got a clue. Above my pay grade. Is that okay? Yes, because Daniel was like that. All of these dreams and visions were about the rising and falling of nations. And the enduring peace in Daniel is that only the kingdom of God will go on forever. Every other kingdom will rise and fall. Empires will rise and fall. That's why Jesus largely ignored the Roman Empire, which is all that the Jews were obsessed about at the time. He ignored the occupying nation and just got on with the real work of the gospel that he wanted to bring. So there are times when you go, it's above my pay grade. But look at what, this is kind of where we're going this morning. Look at what Daniel did, though. He still got down on his knees, opened his window towards Jerusalem three times a day for 60 years and kept praying. He prayed through the years of understanding and promotion. And he prayed through the years of mystery. And I don't know what's going on. So what what, what really matters here is um, God's voice and our voice in prayer and worship, and we'll get through. You might even look back and go, I don't know what went on there. I may never know, or it might be the first question I ask when I'm in heaven. But the main thing that matters, and in fact, as, as we start this little time together, the main thing that matters to us as Christians is that we put Jesus at the center of everything and we go, but I'm just going to keep worshiping you. Through the mystery years and through the understanding years, I'm going to keep worshiping you. Amen. That's our commitment. God is good. He has zero plans to harm you. But we are walking out our life. And listen, your political opinion cannot be the center of your life. It must be Jesus. And what, where else can we go with that? The other things that occupy our attention. Concern for your kids, worry and anxiety and stress cannot be the center of our lives. Jesus must be the center of our lives. And everything's going to be fine. Amen? Right? As we start this little kind of prayer time together, let's put Jesus at Jesus the center. Be the center. Come on, stand with me together. We're going to pray. We're going to sing. We're going to worship. Let's just remember two things. Anybody remember what Remy preached about last week at the end of his little little piece? It was so good. He talked about the fact that he his office is in the penthouse at Hull Royal Infirmary. Remember that? And then Annette would be trying to find uh, a bit of parking. And uh, I guess you called him first, right? And um, and uh, and then he would from above be able to guide her to a parking spot. Uh, the first key to powerful prayer is God's voice. You don't need the voice of your own panic, your own fear, or even your own pity. We need to know the voice of God. And whether we're talking about the Middle East or your life, 
The voice of God is what's going to lead you through, even when you don't understand where he's leading you. Remember the story of my uh, friend Dan McCollum smuggling Bibles through some border. I can't remember where it was now. China, I think it was. And, uh, and he, was, he was approaching the checkpoint, and he had a case full of Bibles, and he realized they were checking every single bag as they were going through the border. And he's getting closer and closer, praying for a Brother Andrew anointing. Was it Brother Andrew who the eyes of the, of the security guards would be blinded and they just wouldn't even see them. But So he's saying, God, what should I do? And that's it. You can go to logic, what's happened before, or you can go to the voice of God now. And what God actually said to him was, when I say run, run. <laughs> and can, I mean, just imagine that. Moment. Are you kidding me? And he's getting closer and closer. And he gets about three people out from the security guard and the Holy Spirit in him goes, run and he runs straight past the security guard and then God just begins to lead him turn left turn right turn left turn left again go over that road and all this and and what I haven't laid out is before he had uh, got in there he'd called his contact and said so where should we meet and the contact in the country had said oh no I can't tell you they'll be listening to this call you just need to hear the Holy Spirit and I'll hear the Holy Spirit and we'll meet and so he's running with this case of Bibles, turn left, turn right, and he, he, he manages to leave the guards behind, and, and, uh, and God says in the end, go and stand under that lamppost, and he comes up and stands under the lamppost with his Bibles, and his friend just appears. Nothing to do with understanding, 100% to do with relationship. God is looking from the top of a very high building. He's on heaven's balcony going, just turn left. Just to, but I don't understand. Just trust me. Why? Now, here's the bit I don't get. What about you? So why didn't you just blind their eyes? I mean, all the, all the sweat and stress in that moment. But I guess God wanted to give a good story to a little group in Cottenham Civic Hall sometime in 2023. So he, he, he takes us on interesting adventures so that we won't forget. Remember, the Bible says you'll overcome by one part of it is your testimony. Just remember, just trust my voice, which is sometimes an audible voice, or sometimes it's like your thoughts, but they're gold embossed. You know, oh, I don't think that was me. You know, that, I don't think that was me telling, you know, thinking I'll give someone a hundred pounds. That definitely would never be me. It must have been God. Do you ever get those feelings? Or sometimes it's just an inner nudge. When Jesus was led out into the wilderness, it was, it was I think the word is ekbalai. He was, he was thrust into it. Sometimes it's like the Holy Spirit will thrust you into situations. But, so the voice of God in prayer is so vital because, you know, Book of Romans is really clear. We don't know what to pray or how to pray, but the Spirit prays for us. And, and Remy referenced a video. I'm going to play it again because I just think it sets this little segment up so well. And it's how we need the voice of God to get through the storms of life. If you didn't see, played it, I don't know six or eight months ago, uh, but I realized not everybody would have been here. So I'm going to play it you again because Remy referenced it last week. So this is kind of carrying on from Remy's talk. It's the voice of God in the storm. Watch this. I was in Alaska doing a lawsuit. We're way out in the Aleutian Islands, getting ready to leave and go back to Anchorage and then home. And I had a ticket in my pocket to get on an airplane. And a pastor came up. And he said, listen, I can save you money. I said, how's that? He said, I flew a small airplane up here. And I fly a small airplane. And I can take you in my little airplane and you can save your ticket. And this did not sound, I said, gee, thank you so very, very much. But I've got this ticket. We'll just make our way on home, me and this other lawyer with me. 
He said, no, 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 you gotta do it, you gotta do it. And against every better judgment I had, I said, okay. Well, we went out to the airport, took us by his little plane and I looked at it and I thought, well, one good thing, it's shiny. Then he walked around it, we got in. He's on the left front, I'm on the right front. The other lawyer's sitting right behind me and he started it up and it started up just fine. Well, we taxied out. I said, should we pray? He said, yeah, that's a good idea. We normally don't. I said, well, this time we're gonna. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I prayed five, eight minutes. I prayed a long time. We went and got on the runway. He starts down the runway. The plane lifted off ever so gently and we start climbing and it's wonderful. Not a problem in the world. We started climbing and we flew probably three, four minutes and something happened that will never leave my mind. The pilot turned to me and he said, we're going in the clouds and I can't fly in clouds. They make me pass out. I said, clouds make you do what? <laughs> now it's been cloudy all day. And we go right up into the clouds and you can't see anything. And he looks at me and his eyes roll back in his head and he starts mumbling and he passes out passed out cold. Now I grabbed him and I shook him and I said, come on, you gotta wake up so I can kill you. Now we're in the clouds flying along with no pilot. And my friend in the back seat said, we're dead, aren't we? I said, there's a very good chance of that, yes. He said, what are we gonna do? I said, I don't know. But there was a radio right there and I handed him the microphone and I said, start asking for help. So he's in the back seat reaching up and he said, hello, hello. We didn't know any proper radio etiquette. All we were saying was hello. And somebody answered back, hello, hello. Don't you guys know proper radio etiquette? And I said, give it to me. I said, tell them we don't know nothing. Tell them we're in an airplane with a passed out pilot and we don't know how to fly this plane. The guy said, I'm a freighter flying out of Anchorage on the way to Tokyo. And he said, you're telling me you have nobody who can fly that plane with you? I said, tell them that's correct. Now you gotta understand, I am sweating bullets. He said, the first thing I'm gonna do is start circling so I don't lose you because I'll fly out of range of your radio and you won't have me anymore. And he said, I'm gonna get Anchorage Emergency for you. And Anchorage Emergency will be the people that can maybe help you try to save your life. After about five minutes, Anchorage came on, said, we understand you have a passed out pilot. And those of you do not know how to fly that plane. We said, that's right. They said, well, the first thing we gotta do is find you. And I'll never forget what this man at Anchorage said. He said, my job is to get you home safe. He said, that's my job. But he said, here's the deal. If you want me to get you home safe, you gotta promise me you'll obey my voice. He said, you can't see me, but I can see you. And he said, if you're not gonna obey my voice, you're gonna die. When you can't see anything, you have no idea how disorientated you become. Finally, he said, okay, I found you. Now hear me clear. He said, you're four minutes from a mountain. He said, you're gonna crash in that mountain and die. Follow my voice. I never said, I have to follow your voice? Is that reasonable? You see, I understood without his voice, I had nothing. And do you understand, without God's voice, you have nothing, nothing. Finally, he got us turned and he said, I'm freezing all the traffic in the area. He said, it's gonna take me an hour and a half to get you to Anchorage and there's a lot of weather between you and Anchorage. You're in for a rough ride. And he said, I want you to hear me. I don't want you to look at what's going on outside. I don't want you to pay attention to the storm, just my voice. 
He said, if you start watching the storm, you will die. But I'll take you through it. Now, because they cleared all the traffic, several pilots, those nighttime freighters, those 747 started talking to us. They said, we're praying for you, men. You're going to make it. But listen to the voice. That's the key. They said, trust the voice. You realize your head is full of voices and everybody in this world wants to talk to you and everybody wants to be the controlling voice. And God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to put yourself on the altar and let my voice be your voice. Finally, we went through the worst of the weather, but there was still more. And then the voice came back and it said, now, I'm gonna line you up. He said, I'm gonna bring you in right down the runway. And at the foot of the runway are some lights and they're in the form of a cross. He said, don't you forget this. The cross is the way home. Finally, he's bringing us down. We still can't see anything. And all he kept saying is, stay with me. My sheep, the Bible says, hear my voice and they follow me. Finally, just a couple hundred feet off the ground, we saw the cross. I landed the plane. In fact, I landed it seven times. <laughs> Finally, it all came to a stop, and the minute we stopped, the pilot woke up. The voice said, thanks for listening. I watch them crash and burn all the time because they won't follow my voice. They don't understand I'm the one who can see them even when they can't see me. But they get the voices in their head, and they kill themselves. They self-destruct. Thanks for listening to the voice. Then they put us in a motel room at about four in the morning. The knock at my door. And I opened the door and a man was standing there. He said, hello, David. I said, you're the voice. You're the one who got me home. He said, I am. Do you understand one day you're gonna stand before him and say, you were the voice. You're the voice that brought me home. If you're not on that altar as a living sacrifice, your head's full of voices. And then we wonder why kids crash and burn. We wonder why marriages are shattered. And the Lord's saying, I'm the one who has the voice. All I can remember is that voice saying, stay with me. Stay with me. Don't listen to what's going on in your head and don't watch the storm. Stay with me. And I'll take you through. Tonight you have a God who has promised to take you through. A living sacrifice, holy. Amen. The first part of prayer is the voice. What's God saying? You're going to find that the more you read this, the more the word of God leaps off the page into your heart, becomes living. If you want to meet God, you, you've got God's living room right here. You know, so open it. I, I, I love to I, I, I love to study. I love to speed read. I love to slow read. I love to theme read. But I also, anybody else just like to fiddle with the scriptures? Just 
randomly go through the Psalms and just wait for a phrase to touch your heart and you know mm, there's something in that and then you, it might just be uh, God is with me it just might be a phrase that short that quick but something awakens in your heart and you know that's the voice of God to me right now so the voice of God is the first part of our prayer life but here's the second part of it your voice Today is about his voice and your voice meeting, and something incredible happens when the two voices come together. It's prayer. It's that communion. I love the fact of, you know, Adam and Eve, uh, and there God is described as the voice who walked in the cool of the day, right? But he was looking for their voice. Where are you? Where are you, Adam? Where's your voice? Where's the authority that I gave you, the dominion I made you to have? We are not passive victims in the adventure of life. Come on, somebody grunt at me. You have a role of authority. Listen to this really carefully. Your voice matters too. I'm sure Annette and Remy were having a conversation on the phone as they found the parking place. It wasn't just, in fact, you know, she probably pretty well did a Psalm 18. I called to the Lord, Lord Remy, I called and he answered, right? You've got to call. Your voice calling is part of it. It's not enough to say, okay, Sarah, Sarah, just what happens must have been the will of God. You have a dominion role in the earth. And in fact, the only part of God and the only part of you and your physical makeup that's described as a weapon in the Bible is your voice. Literally the sword of the spirit. Modern language, the machine gun of God lives in your mouth. I remember doing a session with Sunday school once about the power of life and death being in the tongue. And I got them to draw all these pictures of weapons coming out of their mouths. I mean... They were pretty darn good. There was, there was fighter jets flying out of their mouths. There was nuclear bombs bombing the enemy and destroying. It was really quite cool. And, and I looked at all these pictures done by seven-year-olds and gone, they've got it. If you get that picture in your head, the enemy wants you to think about your mountains when Jesus said, speak to them. There's something powerful about your voice. There's something powerful about your worship. Did you notice on the little house of prayer bit, they put worship wins wars, right? And that's what we've got to be doing over our lives. That's what we've got to be doing over the Middle East, the Ukraine, uh, other issues that come up. Never stop worshiping. Every time you get a car journey on your own, it's a moment for a prayer meeting. Jesus said, go into your closet. He could have said, get into your car, shut the door. That's always sensible. And I don't know about you. I love being in the car on my own. I can holler as loud as I want. I can praise God. I can sing. Just to be in the house alone, you can holler as loud as you want. Come on, I want to challenge you. Really, do you really worship outside the hours of 10, 30, and 12 on a Sunday? Do you sing over your kids? You sing over their empty, they're off in school or off at work. Do you go into their rooms and sing over their beds? And and it's because God says he inhabits the praises of his people. Something happens when we sing over the world that we're in. Remember Mark and Maria Fallowfield were struggling to have kids, and I preached on the on the verses, sing, O barren woman. And they took that literally, right, we're going to sing over ourselves. And I'm, I'm sure they did other stuff as well for it to biologically happen. But 
uh, they sang, and within a month she fell pregnant, and then, you know, nine months later, little Jared was born and got the privilege of dedicating him. A whole bunch of hallelujahs can transform your body. A whole bunch of hallelujahs can, can lift the depression off your life. And I believe, as does the house of prayer in Nazareth by the looks of it, a whole bunch of hallelujahs can make wars cease. And so we're here to sing over our bodies. You need to. To sing over your family. To sing over your bank account. Anybody need to do that? To sing over the Middle East. To praise God and worship him and say, God, come on, flood these places of need with your kingdom. When his voice and your voice meet, incredible things take place. Amen? I'm looking at a whole load of weaponry. This is like an armory right now. And the enemy would love to keep you, oh, <laughs> would love to keep us all quiet and religious. I think it's the enemy that wants our spiritual life to be merely meditative and i mean meditative in an english way because in a jewish way they know that even meditation is noisy to a jew right it literally means to mumble and to and to murmur and to speak again and again but there's something i actually love to be quiet and meet god in my head and heart anybody else like that but i also know there's another bit sometimes oh the the enemy gets so loud and i know I need to open my mouth now because it transforms atmospheres. Just by saying, no, I'm God's. They are God's. This is God's. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. <laughs> Jesus, when he's teaching them to pray, he didn't say, when you pray, think. He said, when you pray, say. You are so powerful. That's why when we meet God in Genesis 1, he's just speaking everything into being. And then he makes man and he grabs Adam and he says, right, come on, name the animals. I want you to open your mouth and behave like a king. So God makes things with his voice and names them. Then the first thing Adam had to do was name the things that God had made. Come on. We're going to sing over our lives and the Middle East and Ukraine, and I don't know what burdens you're carrying this morning too. I don't just want us to think about grand global things that are beyond understanding, but I want us to pray and sing and speak over our lives, our homes, husbands, wives, kids, knowing this, just like um, even the voice of Beatrice's unsaved son-in-law putting his hand on a dead child and saying, in Jesus' name, live. Listen, the name of Jesus works in the armory of your soul. The name of Jesus works. So what needs to change in your world? It might be everything from a, a, an emotional state of improvement and more joy right through to some really quite big practical things. But God's here to change things. Amen. So we're going to have a little pray. Is that all right? And then in, in a moment, I'm going to start by praying, but then I've got the blessing. You know, the song, the blessing that became uh, uh, well-known during the COVID initial start of the COVID pandemic. I've got it here, and we're going to sing it over Israel, the Holy Land, Gaza. We're going to sing it over the House of Prayer in Nazareth. We're going to sing it over Ukraine. 
We're going to sing it over our homes. We're going to sing it over this region. We're going to sing it over Let Loose. We're going to sing it over these new youth teams in Kingswood and Goole that are reaching people in new ways. Let's sing. Why? Because God lives in our songs. He inhabits the praises of his people. We're not just making ourselves feel good. We're changing atmospheres. Amen? So, come on, let's do that. Let's stand together. You've been so good listening to so much. And just close your eyes for a moment and listen to these verses. This is Psalm 18. And it it starts bad. Listen to it. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snare of death confronted me. But listen to this. This is what we're going to do this morning. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, from the top floor, the penthouse of heaven, like Remy, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. And listen to what happens when we cry out. The earth trembled and quaked. The foundations of the mountain shook. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. God comes down. Oh, verse 13. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. God's voice responds to our voice. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemies. And it goes on. Read Psalm 18 this week. It's fantastic. It's how we call out to God and he answers on our behalf. Just quietly begin to pray to God right now. Pray in tongues, pray in English. Maybe just say the name of Jesus if you don't know what to say to start with. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. We put you at the center of our lives. Put you at the center of our homes, our finances, our hopes, dreams. Those around us saved and unsaved. And as you begin to pray, allow the Holy Spirit to fill you right now. He is the best one at praying. Holy Spirit, fill us. Stir us right now. Holy Spirit, stir us. We want to come before you with a song of prayer. We want to come before you. Jesus. And now begin to just whisper before God the things that are concerning your heart. Everything from health to finances to kids, from personal to global. What are you going to sing about this morning when we sing together? When we sing the blessing, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. What breakthrough do you need? As your prayer life become boring and backslidden and you actually, God, I need a breakthrough in my own walk with you. As the Bible become tiresome and cold to you, God, I need a break. I need revelation. I want my heart to burn again. Is it your kids? Is it your finances? Your husband, your wife, your marriage, your studies, your job, your career, the pathway that life is taking? Just begin to whisper before him, God, I'm, I'm going to be singing over and name them. I'm going to be singing over my job. I'm going to be singing over my boss. I'm going to be singing over my studies. I'm going to be singing over my neighbors. God, we're going to worship you. We're going to worship you. 
we're going to lift up holy hands before you as the Bible says to do and ask you to intervene in these things. And God too, we want to sing over the Middle East this morning. We want to sing over the house of prayer in Nazareth and, and other houses of prayer that there are around about. I know of one in Jerusalem. God, we want to sing over the Middle East. We want to call on the God who makes wars cease. We want to call on the God who can create de-escalation, the God who can protect innocent lives, the God who can steer the hearts of leaders and politicians and kings and influences that you have total control. God, we want to sing your kingdom come, your will be done in the Middle East. We want to sing over Ukraine. God, come and intervene in Russia and Ukraine and Moldova. We want to call on you over that region, God. And then I'm sure with a hundred people in the room, there's a, there's a hundred other things that you're concerned about. Countries back home, families back home, places you come from. We heard about the persecuted church last week. We want to sing over Nigeria and Eritrea. And, uh, well, you name them before God as you remember them. God, we want to lift them up before you, knowing that you are a God who answers prayer. We hear your voice. God, now hear our voice. Pour out, we pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And then let's begin to sing with passion and worship as we play this. And as it ends, just carry on in prayer. Amen. Let's do this together. Lord bless.